This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we start with a visit with the Whistler. Now, each episode of the Whistler began with the sound of footsteps and a person whistling. The Saint radio series with Vincent Price used a similar opening. The haunting signature theme tune that was composed by Wilbur Hatch and featured Dorothy Roberts whistling with an orchestra. A character known only as the Whistler was the host and narrator of the tales, which focused on crime and fate. He often commented directly upon the haunting of the characters, guilty or innocent. The stories followed a formula in which a person's criminal acts were typically undone either by an overlooked but important detail or by the criminal's own stupidity. Bill Foreman had the title role of the Whistler for the longest period of time. Others who portrayed the Whistler at various times, Gail Gordon, Joseph Kearns, Marvin Miller, announcer for the Whistler and the Bickersons, and later the actor who portrayed Michael Anthony on TV's The Millionaire. Well, tonight's episode is entitled, The Hitchhiker. The Columbia Network takes pleasure in bringing you Suspense. Outstanding thrillers, produced and directed by William Spear and scored by Bernard Herrmann. The notable melodramas from stage and screen, fiction and radio, presented each week to bring you to the edge of your chair, to keep you in suspense. Good evening. This is Orson Welles. And very happy I am to be back in the United States and back on the Columbia Network, even for so short a visit as this one. Back with old friends like Johnny Dietz, who's tonight's director, and Bernard Herman. The Mercury Theater presented tonight's radio play for the first time last year. We came right out then and hailed it as a classic of the medium. Nobody argued the point. A lot of people asked us to do it again, so it's gratifying to get the chance now and to find a favorite of ours in this distinguished anthology of spook shows. Personally, I've never met anybody who didn't like a good ghost story. But I know a lot of people who think there are a lot of people who don't like a good ghost story. For the benefit of these, at least, I go on record at the outset of this evening's entertainment with a sober assurance that although blood may be curdled on this program, none will be spilt. 
There's no shooting, knifing, throttling, axing, or poisoning here. No clanking chains, no cobwebs, no bony and or hairy hands appearing from secret panels or, better yet, bedroom curtains. If it's any part of that dear old phosphorescent foolishness that people who don't like ghost stories don't like, then again, I promise you, we haven't got it. Not tonight. What we do have is a thriller. It's half as good as we think it is. You can call it a shocker. It's already been called a real Orson Welles story. Now, frankly, I don't know what this means. I've been on the air directing and acting in my own shows for quite a while now, and I don't suppose I've done more than half a dozen thrillers in all that time. Honestly, I don't think even that many, but it seems I do have a reputation for the uncanny. Quite possibly, a little escapade of mine involving a couple of planets, which shall be nameless, is responsible. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> Don't think I disapprove of thrillers. I don't. A story doesn't have to appeal to the heart. It can also appeal to the spine. Sometimes you want your heart to be warmed, and sometimes you want your spine to tingle. The tingling, it's to be hoped, will be quite audible as you listen tonight to The Hitchhiker. That's the name of our story, The Hitchhiker. <laughs> west of Gallup, New Mexico. If I tell it, perhaps it'll help me. Keep me from going, going crazy. I've got to tell this quickly. I'm not crazy now. I feel perfectly well, except that I'm running a slight temperature. My name is Ronald Adams. I'm 36 years of age, unmarried, tall, dark, with a black mustache. I drive a 1940 Buick license number 6Y175189. I was born in Brooklyn. All this I know. I know that I'm at this moment perfectly sane. But it's not me who's gone mad. It's something else. Something utterly beyond my control. I've got to speak quickly. At any minute, the link may break. This may be the last thing I ever tell on Earth. The last night I ever see the stars. 6 days ago I left Brooklyn to drive to California. Goodbye, son. Good luck to you, my boy. Goodbye, mother. Here, give me a kiss. And I'll go. I'll come out with you to the car. Oh no, it's raining. Stay here at the door. Oh. <laughs> What's this? Tears? I thought you'd promise me you wouldn't cry. Oh, I know, dear. I'm sorry. But I I do hate to see you. Mother, I'll be back. It'll always be the, on the coast three months. Oh, it isn't that. It's, it's just the trip. Ronald, I wish you weren't driving. Oh, Mother, there you go again. People do it every day. I know, but you're a bit careful, won't you? Promise me you'll be extra careful. Don't fall asleep or drive fast or pick up any strangers on the road. Oh, gosh. You think I was still 17 here, you two. Oh, and why? I mean, as soon as you get to Hollywood, oh, won't you, son? Of course I will. Don't you worry. There's nothing going to happen. It's just eight days of perfectly simple driving on smooth, decent, civilized roads with a hot dog or a hamburger stand every ten miles. I was in fine spirits. 
night ahead of me, even the loneliness seemed like a lark. I reckoned without him. Crossing Brooklyn Bridge that morning in the rain, I saw a man leaning against the cables. He seemed to be waiting for a lift. There were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. He was carrying a cheap overnight bag in one hand. He was thin, nondescript, with a cap pulled down over his eyes. I would have forgotten him completely, except that just an hour later, while crossing the Pulaski Skyway over the Jersey Flats, I saw him again. At least, he looked like the same person. He was standing now with one thumb pointing west. I couldn't figure out how he got there, but I thought probably one of those fast trucks had picked him up, beaten me to the Skyway, and let him off. I didn't stop for him. And late that night, I saw him again. It's on the new Pennsylvania Turnpike between Harrisburg and Pittsburgh. It's 265 miles long with a very high speed limit. I was just slowing down for one of the tunnels when I saw him standing under an arc light by the side of the road. I see him quite distinctly, the bag, the cap, even the spots of fresh rain over his shoulders. He hallowed at me this time. on the gas like a shot. That's lonely country through the Alleghenies, and I had no intention of stopping. Besides the coincidences, or whatever it was, in the Willies. Stopped at the next gas station. Yes, sir. Uh, fill her up. Certainly, sir. Check your oil, sir? No, thanks. It hasn't been raining here recently, has it? Not a drop of rain all week. Oh? Oh, I, I suppose that doesn't done your business any harm. Oh, people drive through here all kinds of weather. Mostly business, you know. There aren't many pleasure cars out on the turnpike this season of the year. I suppose not. What, uh, uh, what about hitchhikers? <laughs> hitchhikers here? What's the matter? Don't you ever see any? Not much. If we did, it'd be a sight for sore eyes. Why? Oh, a guy'd be a fool who started out to hitch rides on this road. Look at it. Then, you've never seen anybody? No. Maybe they get the lift before the turnpike starts. I mean, you know, just before the toll house. But then it'd be a mighty long ride. Most cars wouldn't want to pick up a guy for that long a ride. And you know, this is pretty lonesome country here. Mountains and woods. You ain't seen anybody like that, have you? Uh, no. Oh, no, not, not at all. It's just uh, a technical question. <laughs> I see. Well, that'll be just $1.49 with the tax. It seemed gradually passed through my mind a sheer coincidence. I had a good night's sleep in Pittsburgh. I didn't think about the man all next day until... Just outside of Zanesville, Ohio, I saw him again. It's a bright, sunshiny afternoon. The peaceful Ohio fields, brown with the autumn stubble, lay greening in the golden light. I was driving slowly, drinking it in, when the road suddenly ended in a detour in front of the barrier. He was standing. 
Now, let me explain about his appearance before I go on. I repeat, there was nothing sinister about him. He was as drab as a mud fence. Nor was his attitude menacing. He merely stood there, waiting, almost drooping a little, the cheap overnight bag in his hand. He looked as though he'd been waiting there for hours. And he looked up. He hailed me. He started to walk forward. Hello? 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 No, not just now. Sorry. Go to California? No, not today. The other way. Going to New York. Sorry. him up of having him sit beside me was somehow unbearable. At the same time, I felt more than ever unspeakably alone. Hour after hour went by. Feels the towns ticked off one by one. The light changed. I knew now that I was going to see him again. And though I dreaded the sight, I caught myself searching the side of the road, waiting for him to appear. Sandwiches and pop here, don't you? Yeah, we go in the daytime. We're closed up now for the I night. know, and I was wondering if you could possibly have a cup of coffee, black coffee. Just No, not this time of night, mister. My wife's a cook. She's a man. No, don't shut the door, please. Listen, just a minute ago. Uh, just a minute ago, there was a man standing here right beside the stand, a suspicious looking man. I, I don't mean to disturb it. And you see, I was driving along when I just happened to look, and there he was. How was he doing? Well, nothing. You've been taking a nip. That's what you've been doing. Now, on your way before I call out Sheriff Oaks. I got into the car again and drove on slowly. I was beginning to hate the car. If I could have found a place to stop, to rest a little. I was in the Ozark Mountains of Missouri now. A few resort places there were closed, only an occasional log cabin, seemingly deserted. That's all that broke the monotony of the wild, wooded landscape. And I had seen him at that roadside stand. I knew I'd see him again. Maybe at the next turn of the road. I knew that when I saw him next, I would run him down. next afternoon. I stopped a car at a sleepy little junction just across the border into Oklahoma to let a train pass by. When he appeared across the tracks, leaning against a telephone pole. Perfectly airless, dry day. The red clay of Oklahoma was baking under the southwestern sun. Yet there were spots of fresh rain on his shoulders. I couldn't stand that. Without thinking, blindly, I started the car across the tracks. He didn't look up at me. He was staring at the ground. 
I stepped on the gas hard, bearing the wheel sharply toward him. I could hear the train in the distance now, but I didn't care. Then. Something went wrong with the car. The train was coming closer. I could hear its bell ringing and the cry of its whistle. Still, he stood there. And now I knew that he was beckoning. Beckoning me to my death. at last. I managed to back up. And the train passed. He was gone. I was all alone in the hot, dry afternoon. After that, I knew I had to do something. I didn't know who this man was or what he wanted of me. I only knew that from now on, I mustn't let myself alone on the road for one minute. Like a ride? Well, what do you think? How far are you going? Uh, well, where do you want to go? Amarillo, Texas. I'll drive you there. Gee. Uh, you mind if I take off my shoes? My dogs are killing me. Go right ahead. Oh, gee, what a break this is. A hitchhike much? Sure, only it's tough sometimes in these great open spaces to get the break. Yeah, I should think it would be, though. I'll bet you get a good pickup in a fast car. If you did, you could get places faster than, say, another person in another car, couldn't you? I don't get you. Well, take me, for instance. Suppose I'm I'm driving across the country, say, at a nice steady clip about 45 miles an hour. <clears throat> couldn't, couldn't a girl like you just standing beside the road waiting for a list beat me to town? Or any town, provided she got picked up every time in a car doing from 65 to 70 miles an hour? I don't know. What difference does it make? Oh, no difference. It's just a crazy idea I had sitting here in the car. <laughs> Imagine spending your time in a swell car thinking of things like that. What would you do instead? What would I do? If I was a good-looking fellow like yourself? Why, I just enjoy myself every minute of the time. I'd sit back and, and relax. But if I saw a good-looking girl along the side of the road... Hey, look out! Did you see it? See who? A man standing beside the barbed wire fence. Oh, I didn't see anybody. I... It wasn't nothing but a bunch of cows and... And the wire fence. No? What do you think he was doing? Trying to run into the barbed wire fence? a man fence? there, I tell you. A thin gray man with an overnight bag in his hand. And I, I was trying to... Run him down. Run him down? Say you didn't see him back there? You sure? I didn't see a soul. As far watch as I Watch for him the next time and keep watching. Keep your eyes peeled on the road. He'll turn up again. Maybe any minute. There! Look there! How does this door work? I, I'm getting out Did of here. Did you see him that time? No, I didn't see him that time. And personally, mister, I don't expect never to see him. All I want to do is go on living. I don't see how I will very long, driving with you. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't... I, 
I don't know what came over me, but please don't go. So if you'll excuse me... You can't go. Listen, how would you like to go to California? I'll drive you to California. Seeing pink elephants all the way? No, thanks. Uh Uh-uh, thanks, just the same. Listen, please, just just one minute, please. You know what I think you need, big boy? Not a girlfriend. Just a good dose of... Please. There, I got it now. Then you can't go, please. Get your hands off me. Do you hear me? Your hands off She ran from me. I were a monster. A few minutes later, I saw a passing truck pick her up. I knew then that I was utterly alone. It was in the heart of the great Texas prairies. There wasn't a car on the road after the truck went by. I tried to figure out what to do, how to get hold of myself. If I could find a place to rest, or even if I could sleep right here in the car for a few hours along the side of the road. I was getting my winter overcoat out of the back seat to use as a blanket when I saw him coming toward me, emerging from the herd of moving steer. Hello! I should have spoken to him then. Fought it out then and there. For now, he began to be everywhere. Whenever I stopped, even for a moment, for gas, for oil, for a drink of pop, a cup of coffee, a sandwich, he was there. I saw him standing outside the auto camp in Amarillo that night when I dared to slow down. Just sitting near the drinking fountain, a little camping spot just inside the border of New Mexico. He was waiting for me outside the Navajo Reservation where I stopped to check my tires. I saw him in Albuquerque when I bought 20 gallons of gas. I was... I was afraid to stop now. I began to drive faster and faster. I was... in... in lunar landscape now. The great arid Mesa country of New Mexico. I drove through it with the indifference of a fly crawling over the face of the moon. Now he didn't even wait for me to stop. Unless I drove at 85 miles an hour over those endless roads, he waited for me at every other mile. I'd see his figure, shadowless, flitting before me, still in the same attitude, over the cold, lifeless ground, flitting over dried-up rivers, over broken stones cast up by old glacial upheavals, flitting in that pure and cloudless air. I was beside myself when I finally reached Gallup, New Mexico this morning. There's an auto camp here. Cold, almost deserted this time of year. I went inside and asked if there was a telephone feeling that if only I could speak to someone familiar, someone I loved, I could pull myself together. Your call, please. Long distance. Long distance, certainly. This is long distance. I'd like, uh, I'd like to put a, in a call to my home in Brooklyn, New York. I'm Ronald Adams. I'm, uh, the, the number is Beechwood 200828. Certainly. I will try to get it for you. Albuquerque. New York for Gallup. 
New York. Gallup, New Mexico, calling Beechwood 20828. I'd read somewhere that love could banish demons. It's the middle of the morning. I knew Mother'd be home. I pictured her tall and white-haired in her crisp house dress, going about her tasks. Be enough, I thought, just to hear the even calmness of her voice. Will you please deposit $3.85 for the first three minutes? When you have deposited a dollar and a half, will you wait until I have collected the money? deposit another dollar and a half. Will you please deposit the remaining 85 cents? Ready with Brooklyn. Go ahead, please. Hello, hello? Mrs. Adams' residence. Hello, hello, Mother. This is Mrs. Adams' residence. Who is it you wish to speak to, please? What? Oh, who is this? This is Mrs. Winnie. Mrs. Winnie? I, I don't know any Mrs. Winnie. Is this Beechwood 208828? Yes. Uh, oh, where, where's my mother? Where's Mrs. Adams? Mrs. Adams is not at home. She's still in the hospital. The hospital? Yes. Who the... is this calling, please? Is it a member of the family? Well, what's she in the hospital for? She's been prostrated for five days. Nervous breakdown. But who is Nervous calling? breakdown? Well, my grandmother never was nervous. It's all taken place since the death of her oldest son, Ronald. Death of her... Death of her oldest son, Ronald? Hey, what's this? What number is this? This is Beechwood 20828. It's all been very sudden. He was killed just six days ago in an automobile accident on the Brooklyn Bridge. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. Your three minutes are up, sir. And so, so I'm sitting here in this deserted auto camp in Gallup, New Mexico. I'm trying to think, trying to get hold of myself. Otherwise, I am going to go crazy. Outside, it's night. Vast, soulless night of New Mexico. A million stars are in the sky. Ahead of me stretch a thousand miles of empty mesa. Mountains. Prairies. Desert. Somewhere among them, he's waiting for me. Somewhere I shall know who he is and who I am.
so ends The Hitchhiker, and to Orson Welles, our considerable thanks for his playing of the title role. Mr. Welles? Help wanted. Men, women, and children. Nature of work, hard, monotonous, back-breaking labor. Hours, 75 a week minimum. Pay, few cents an hour. Added inducement, two meals a day, including several ounces of bad bread and a cup of thin soup. Don't delay. Apply at once. How would you respond to a want ad like that, Mr. and Mrs. American working man and woman? You'd laugh, wouldn't you, and throw the paper in the trash basket. Dismiss the whole advertisement as some kind of a joke. But believe me, it's no joke. It's a simple statement of the working conditions that exist today in Nazi Germany and the conquered countries under Nazi rule. It's also an exact statement of the working conditions that will be imposed on you and every member of your family if the Nazis win this war. You yourself personally can stop them from winning, as you know. You don't have to give up your well-paid job to do it. You needn't have to be a soldier or a sailor or an airman or a nurse or a war worker to ensure American victory. Uncle Sam doesn't ask plain, ordinary, hard-working citizens like you to give him anything. All he asks, all this he does ask very seriously and very urgently, is that you loan him ten cents out of every dollar you make. That's all there is to it. Lend Uncle Sam a dime to win this war. And he'll pay you back with interest when he's won it. The easiest, most convenient way to lend him these dimes is to enroll in the payroll savings plan. Just tell your boss to deduct ten cents from every dollar he pays you and lend it to Uncle Sam in your name. Sign up for this simple savings plan today and when victory comes, you will have war bonds in your pockets instead of Axis bonds on your wrists. Suspense will be heard again two weeks from tonight. Next Wednesday night, September 9th, the Columbia Broadcasting System will present over many of these stations at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Wartime an address by W. Averill Harriman, the United States Land Lease Administrator in London. Mr. Harriman, as the personal representative of the President of the United States, attended the Moscow conferences between Winston Churchill and Joseph Stalin. Next Wednesday's broadcast will be Mr. Harriman's first public address since his return to this country. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. John Dietz was our guest director this evening. Tonight's radio drama was written by Lucille Fletcher. The original score was by Bernard Herrmann. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for the Jack Benny Show next on Theater of the Mind. Well, the guy who always celebrated his 39th birthday year after year is up next. Tonight we hear about the problems that occur renting Eddie Cantor's home with Jack Benny in the lead. I'm going to talk about fine food, fine breakfast, fine flavor and nourishment, and I'm not going to talk about ration food. How do I do it? <laughs> easily, good people, easily. I talk about crisp, toasty brown grape nut flakes. They're mighty swell eating. Yes, grape nut flakes are tops for taste appeal. They have such a malty, rich goodness, such an outstanding, distinctive flavor, that grand grape nut flavor, in tongue-easing, toasty flake form. And here's news for you homemakers on the thrift chip. 
You can buy as many as you need of those big 12-ounce economy-sized packages of Grape Nuts Flakes without spending a single precious ration stamp. Delicious, nutritious Grape Nuts Flakes are not rationed. Ask for Grape Nuts Flakes, America's fastest-growing breakfast cereal. Played by the orchestra. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you a man who lost $50 on Rochester's horse in the Kentucky Derby yesterday and took it like a man, it says here, Jack Benny! <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Hello again. This is Jack Benny, the gambler, talking. And, Don, I'll admit that I was a little disappointed when Rochester's horse came in last. But what really gets me is that I lost $50 and the whole race was over in two minutes. Well, what's that got to do with it? Well, losing $50 in two minutes, that's too fast. Why, several times in holdups, I've stretched it out to ten minutes. <laughs> you know, ad-lib with a guy while he's taking my shoe off. You know. <laughs> Anyway, the race is over. I lost $50, and heaven knows I wish I could forget it. <laughs> I mean, I'm really, I'm really not a sore loser. What do you mean, you're not a sore loser? Oh, hello, Mary. I mean, I can take it. I never care what I lose on a horse race. What are you talking about? A couple of months ago, you lost $2 on one of Bing Crosby's horses, and you burned his house down. <laughs> in New York when Crosby's horse, when Crosby's house burned down. It could have been his horse. But getting back to the Kentucky Derby, I wasn't disappointed when I lost that bet on Rochester's horse. I heard the result over the air, I walked over to the radio, and I turned off the dial. You bit off the dial. Mary, for the last time, I was not disappointed. I was not upset. Then why did you run in the bathroom and try to slash your wrist? <laughs> Because the broadcast was sponsored by Gillette Blue Blades and it threw me a thought. <laughs> That's the only reason. Say, Jackson, you aren't the only guy that lost dough on that race. I hear Rochester lost his whole bankroll. Yeah, he wired me for some money, but I didn't send him any. Well, then how's he going to get home? He's riding his horse from Kentucky. <laughs> He'd make much better time if the horse would ride him. <laughs> Burnt cork, he had to call him. Burnt cork. I can roll a cork down the street with my nose faster than that horse can run. <laughs> it just so happens you have a very good nose for cork rolling. <laughs> That's not the picture at all, sis. Stop giggling. You, know? you want to know something, Jackson? I won 20 bucks on Rochester's horse. How could you win 20 bucks when the horse came in last? I bet he'd still be breathing at the end of the race. <laughs> Well, as a matter of fact, Bill, you're the kind of a... Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello, Mr. Benny. Well, you lost $50. Go ahead, kick me. <laughs> kick you? What for? It's right in my contract. When you're lonely, sad, and blue, I get it. <laughs> Don't worry, kid. I'm not going to kick you. Okay, then I'll take this pie tin out of my pants. 
Well, I'll be darned. There's a pie in it. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen... Lemon meringue. I know, I know. <laughs> now, let's forget about the derby and horse races and everything. We've got a program to do. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature Kentucky, I mean feature attraction, <laughs> this evening, we are going to present... Oh, pardon me, Jack, I'll take it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction this evening, we would like to show you what happened last week when Jack rented Eddie Cantor's house in Palm Springs. It seems that... Now, Jack... wait a minute, Don. Nobody's interested in that little episode in Palm Springs. I rented Cantor's house. I had a very pleasant week. I paid him for it. You what? I had a very pleasant week. So <laughs> The night we're going to do a play. But Mary thought this would be much Mary, funnier. Mary, who's the boss of this program, me or Mary? Grape nut flakes in the big 12-ounce economy size package. That's who's the boss. <laughs> well, if you're referring to General Foods, Don, we, we get along swell. Gosh, I remember old General Foods when he was just a yard bird. <laughs> that hair ought to be shot. Listen. <laughs> Mary, take my gun outside. There's no smoking in the studio. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, as I started to say before I miss Harris, for our feature attraction this evening, we are going to present a play. Now, Jack Benny, we're not having any play. Go ahead, Don. Tell everybody what happened to us at Palm Springs last week. Okay. Oh. Well, the whole thing started when Jack's doctor told him last Monday morning that the only way to really clear up his cold was to spend a week on the desert. On the desert, on the desert. Big fat cactus. <laughs> Jack and Mary had just left the doctor's office and were walking along Vine Street toward the Brown Derby, where Jack gets his toothpick to park. There you are, mister. Are you all right now? Yes, yes, yes. Thanks, honey. Are you sure you can manage alone? Yes, yes, yes. I'm all right. Well, goodbye, mister. Goodbye. Darn those Boy Scouts are always leading me across the street. <laughs> Not that old. Well, I'm starving, Jack. Let's drop in at the Brown Derby and get something to eat. I know a place right up the street from the Brown Derby that's terrific. Coolahan's Hot Doggery. I'm not going to that joint. What do you mean, joint? Everybody goes there. Look at their slogan, Burp with the Movie Star. Darn <laughs> <laughs> this cold. Imagine my doctor telling me the only way to get over it is to go to Palm Springs. Now I have to buy a tent. A what? A tent. Did it ever occur to you to stop at a hotel? I don't know anybody staying at a hotel in Palm Springs. I mean, get a room of your own, a place where you can have both ends of the towel. <laughs> oh, I might have to at that. Well, here's Houlihan's hot doggery. Let's go in. Hello, Houlihan. I want something to eat. Did you make a reservation? <laughs> I don't know, did you, Jack? <laughs> no, I forgot to. <laughs> Look, Mr. Houlihan, I wish the plates in here were as shiny as his head. <laughs> Look, Mr. Houlihan, I'm Jack Benny. I dine here four or five times a week. You got a wonderful stomach. Get out of here before it's too late. <laughs> okay, some other time. Come on, Mary. Let's go. 
Wow, this fresh air smells good. We were only in there a second. <laughs> you want to go on to be so ritzy, we'll walk down to the Brown Derby. Come on. Gosh, the Brown Derby sure is jammed today. Give me your arm, mister, and I'll help you through the crowd. Go away, son. Go away. <laughs> I don't need you. Well, if you ever do, ask for Dick Davis, Beaver Patrol. <laughs> I'll remember that. Come on, let's find a table. Yeah. See, this place sure draws the tourists. <clears throat> I hope nobody asks me, Jack Benny, for my autograph. <laughs> Uh, what's that name again? Jack Benny. Well, nothing happened. Let's eat. Hmm. There's Chili as the head waiter over there. Maybe he can... Say, the... Jack, isn't that Eddie Cantor in that front booth? Where? Oh, yeah, that is Eddie. Yeah, I hope I look as good as he does when I'm his age. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. See, I just thought of something, Jack. Eddie's got a house in Palm Springs. Maybe you can rent it from him. Rent Cantor's house? Mm -hmm. What do you mean, rent it? He's a friend of mine. He'll give it to me. Let's sit, sit with him. Hello, Eddie. How are you? Well, Jack, Mary, come on, sit down. <laughs> well, Jack, what are you doing in the derby? Raining outside, huh? <laughs> No, no, no. It was Mary's, Mary's idea. I haven't seen you in a long time, Jack. You look marvelous. Well, thanks, Eddie. Thanks. I've been pretty sick, you know. Well, sick or not, I hope I look as good as you do when I'm your age. <laughs> hmm. Well, how's the, uh, how's the family, Eddie? How's Ida and the boys? Oh, they're all... <laughs> boys? What are Boys? <laughs> Jack, my kids are girls. You're oh. thinking of Crosby. Crosby? Yeah, remember I burned his house down for you when you were in New York? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes, thanks. Well, go ahead and order something to eat, Mary. Incidentally, the peanut butter sandwiches here are delicious. In <laughs> Incidentally, I'm having the cream turkey. Incidentally, the cream turkey cost $1.75. Incidentally, everybody's looking at us. <laughs> Let them look. They're looking, they're looking. All right. You can have the cream turkey, Mary. But if I ask you for a kiss on the cab on the way home, don't say what for. <laughs> See, I'm kind of hungry myself. What are you having there, Eddie? It looks good. Chicken soup with egg noodles? Chicken soup with egg noodles, huh? Think I'll have some of that. Okay, I'll have the way to bring you a spoon. <laughs> No, I mean, I'll, I'll order some. A bowl for myself. They haven't got it today. I brought this one from home. <laughs> oh, spoon, waiter. Spoon, spoon. What for? I want a spoon to eat chicken soup with my friend here. He brought his own spoon. Look, I came unprepared. Give me a spoon. Here you are. Thanks. And waiter, bring me an order of cream turkey. At last, a sale in this booth. I can't believe it. Fresh <laughs> <Right>, guy. <laughs> Gee, this soup looks good. Yeah, let's start. One, two. You know, Eddie, I'm sure glad I... <clears throat> Boy, this is hot. You know, Eddie, I'm sure glad I... 
Eddie, would you mind eating with your left hand and putting your right arm around my shoulder? I'm too far from the bowl. Is this better, Jack? A? Oh, I'm sorry. My elbow is in your ear. Yeah, we got to think of something else. Well, why don't you put your right hand through my left sleeve and then we can both dip at the same time, huh? No, then we'd have to cut a hole in your coat. Well, that won't work. Why don't you put the bowl on my head and eat piggyback? <laughs> you go and get that cream turkey. I think we're all right now, Eddie. Let's go. One, two. As I was saying, Eddie, I'm sure glad I bumped into By you. By the way, Jack, would you mind breaking a cracker and putting it in the soup? Sorry, Eddie, but I can't stand crackers in my soup. Well, break one in any way and float it over to my side. <laughs> Okay. There. Anyway, Eddie, I'm sure glad I, I'm glad I bumped into you. I, you see? You see, the crackers aren't floating. You see, they're all on my side. Well, tip the bowl a little, will you? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Get ready, Eddie. Yeah, I can hardly make that. Get ready, Eddie. Forward soup. Say, Mary, while you're waiting, why don't you get a spoon and join us? Don't bring guests. It's crowded enough. <laughs> what, you think this is the Hollywood Bowl? Well, it's so delicious. I thought... Whoop, whoop, hold it. Hold it. Hold it there, Eddie. What's the matter? That noodle is mine. Most of it is on my spoon. Now, give me that noodle. Oh, no, you don't. Let go of that noodle. You let go. <laughs> what are you laughing at? You look like two robins with a worm. <laughs> well, I've had enough anyway. Here's your cream turkey, miss. Thank you. Do you want three forks with it or are the boys sitting this one out? <laughs> Don't be so smart. Well, I've been trying to say, Eddie, I'm sure glad I bumped into you. You know, I'm going to Palm Springs for a few days, and I thought maybe you'd like to join me. I thought maybe we could get a room together in a hotel. I don't think I can make it, Jack, but say, I'll tell you what. What, what, what? Tell me what. what? Well, no, I don't think you'd like it. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. Tell me. Tell me, what were you going to say? Well, I happen to have a little house down there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Why don't you stay there instead of a hotel? Well, that's, that's darn nice of you, Eddie. What would you charge me for it? Oh, Jack, we're friends. We've known each other for years. Take the house for nothing. No, no, Eddie. Now, wait a minute. No, friendship is friendship. But I don't want to take advantage of it. Now, I insist on paying you for your house. Take it for nothing, please. I'll feel better. But, Eddie, I'll feel much better if you charge me something. No, for. no. Now, come on, cut it. Now, how much do you want for one week? One week? What is... $300? Three? $300? Isn't that a big jump from nothing? Jack, look what you're getting, a tennis... I don't like swimming. And four bedrooms. I've had insomnia for two months. Now, Eddie, help me, please. Cut that price. <laughs> All right, you can have the house for 250 How's that? I'm still restless. <laughs> okay, now, give me the house for nothing. You'll feel better, like you said. All right, Jack Benny, I'll give you the house for nothing on one condition. What's that? Look, there are plenty of hotels in Palm Springs. Don't start a new one, will you, Jack? <laughs> Don't worry, I won't. Well, thanks, Eddie. All right, you're welcome, Jack. So long. So long. I'll see you later.
to me, dear one. There in the dark we'll share a dream reverie. In the blue of evening, while crickets call and stars are falling, beneath a starlit sky, you'll come to me. In the shadows of the night, we'll stand, I'll Touch your hand and then Softly as your lovely eyes and treat I'll live again In the blue of evening Night winds above whispering I love you in the blue of evening sung by Dennis Day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, to continue with our story of what happened when Jack rented Eddie Cantor's house in Palm Springs. Hey, you big fat stool pigeon, tell him everything. Well, bright and early Tuesday morning, Jack, Mary, Dennis, Phil, and myself okay, were out on it. Highway 99, hitchhiking our way to Palm Springs. Mary had no trouble stopping a truck. I use the old garter trick, folks. Yeah. And before many hours had passed, we had arrived at the springs and were hiding in the bushes in front of Cantor's house. It uh, seems that Jack thought it would be a Now listen, everybody, you stay in the bushes here and I'll go up and ring the doorbell. What do we have to stay here for, Mr. Benny? Not so loud, Dennis. If you think I'm going to spend five days in these hollyhocks, you're crazy. It'll only be for a few minutes. Once I get inside, you can all drop in casually. I don't want the caretaker to tell Cantor that I brought a whole gang with me. After all, you know how cheap he is. How cheap is he, expert? <laughs> Phil, pull your head down and try to look like a hollyhock. <laughs> I look more like a gladiola. Quiet. I worry about things. Damn it! <laughs> Flowers should be smelled and not heard. <laughs> now remember, fellas, when I give the signal, come in casually, you know? Come in. Let's see. Where's the doorbell? Oh, here it is. We want candor. What a ham. <laughs> Pull your head down, kids. Uh, here comes somebody. Holy smoke, the house is haunted. How do you do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do you do? Are you the custodian? I beg your pardon. 
<laughs> I said, are you the ca- caretaker? No, you didn't. You said, are you the custodian? <laughs> well, custodian and caretaker are identical. They're synonyms. They're synonymous. Mm. You save time by ignoring me. <laughs> Look, all I want to know is what, what do you do here? Eddie Camper pays me to stay here and keep burglars away. Burglars? Well, mm. are there many burglars in Palm Springs? Mm, only me. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. You wouldn't take anything. I wouldn't take anything. Have you got the correct time, please? Why, it... That's strange. I must have left my watch at home. Ha, <laughs> Silly boy. <laughs> Hmm. Well, look, look, I'm Jack Benny. The feeling is mutual. What do you mean the feeling is mutual? I don't like you and you don't like me. Look, I'm Jack Benny. Mr. Cantor said I could use his house this week. You're Jack Benny? You're Jack Benny? Yes, I'm Jack Benny. If I look like you when I reach your age, I shouldn't reach it. <laughs> What's that got to do with it? Now, are you going to let me in or not? <laughs> Yes, come in and bring those hollyhocks with you. Come on in, kids. Everything's all set. Come on. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we all took our luggage, went inside the house, and made ourselves comfortable. Jack, of course, took Eddie's room and started to unpack his bag. Let's see. I got my white flannels and my blazer. My parasol, in case it gets too sunny. (laughs) And here's your bathing trunk. Thank you. Now, where's my... Oh, darn it, now I won't be able to go in swimming. What's the matter? Did you forget your muscles? <laughs> no, I forgot my water wings. What's the difference? You couldn't blow them up anyway. Cut that out. Hey, Jackson, Tanner's sure got a swell layout here. Look at all those pictures of movie stars on the wall. That's right, Phil. We're all up there. There's my picture over there. Where, Mr. Benny? Right there, above the dresser. That's Gene Autry's horse. <laughs> oh, yes, the white mane fooled me. Huh? <laughs> Although I gave Tanner a beautiful picture of myself. It must be around here someplace. Oh, Dennis, will you please put my razor and my toothbrush uh, toothbrush in the bathroom? Oh, yes, sir. And Mary, put my cold cream on the dressing table, will you? Okay. Now, where did I put oh, my... Oh, Mr. Benny! What is it, Dennis? I found your picture! <laughs> I knew he had it around here someplace. Who can that be? I'll get it. Hello? Hello, Jack. This is Eddie. Are you comfortable? Is everything all right? Oh, swell. The house is wonderful, Eddie. I'm glad you like it. By the way, Jack, I had a little talk with Ida, and I told her I'd let you have the house for nothing. How'd she take it? When I stopped bouncing, it was $300. (laughs) You mean I'd expect me to pay $300 rent? Yes, and 10 cents for the chicken soup. Well, all I can say is you're a fine friend. Well, don't blame me. Don't blame you. Who's the boss in your family? You or Ida? I'll call you back. She's standing right here. <laughs> but Eddie argue with her and sis. What are you, a man or a mouse? I'll have to call you back on that, too. <laughs> okay, I'll send you a check. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm sorry about this, Jack. But anyway, have a good time. Ida, stop pushing. I can certainly wish him a good time. Have a good time, Jack. Keep it. How a woman can make such delicious chicken soup and be so mercenary. Oh, well, what do we do, Jack? Go home? We can't go home. I'm stuck for $300, 10 cents, and a wristwatch. Now, listen, Mary, and this goes for all of you. 
You're all shipping in and paying for your rooms here. Phil, you get the big room at the head of the stairs. That'll be ten bucks a day. And Don, yes, you get the corner bedroom with cloth ventilation. That's twelve fifty. Dennis, you can sleep on the Davenport for three and a half. Mary, you take Ida's room, and we'll put a sign out front, tourists accommodated. I'll get that $300 back if it's the last thing I do. Well, Eddie, I, I want to thank you and Bert Gordon, the mad Russian, for coming over here today. And, uh, really, I was thinking... Oh, stop thinking. You've got the violin under your chin. Phil is ready. I'll sing, all right? Okay, let's go. Come on. Give us another... Every star above knows the one I love, sweet. <laughs> and the moon up high, I'd like to kill that guy, sweet. No one else it seems ever shares my dreams. And without you, dear, I don't know what I'd... When you're feeling mighty blue, grape flakes is good for you. Out of mine, you live all the time, sweet. <laughs> no one else it seems ever shares my dreams. And without you, dear, I don't know what I'd... I wish that he would play piano so I could tell my sweet I pan a heart of mine. You live all the time, sweet Sue. Just you. first program of the new Grape Nuts Flake series. We'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. Good night, folks. The Jack Benny program is written by Bill Marlow and Ed Beloy. Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week as I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell, Paul Stringer, and Justin Eacock for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.